0: This time on the Triple T Productivity Podcast, I'm talking to Evernote expert and the president of W3 Consulting, Ray Sidney-Smith. Now, Ray... Is a productivity monster. (laughs) He really is. He's he's kind of like that productivity person you wish you could be. Put me to shame, totally. Now, we're going to talk Evernote. We're going to talk productivity and how he's read over 400 books on time management. Uh, Ray shares his secret procrastination, which is actually quite productive, to be honest. I share mine which is really embarrassing. Um, This is a really good chat for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about Evernote, and uh, I'm pretty sure you'll feel a bit more productive at the end of the episode. Uh, Oh, I also asked Ray the Triple T questions as well, so make sure you listen. Check out a whole bunch of links in the show notes, and don't forget to subscribe to the pod on your favourite podcast player. Let's get into it. Hi, Ray. Hi, John. Thanks for doing this. Much appreciated. Um, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, looking forward to this, definitely. Um, so you've got 30 seconds to tell us about yourself. No pressure at all, he says. Um Go.
1: I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I am the CEO of a small digital marketing training and consulting firm called W3 Consulting. And so we help small businesses market and manage using web, mobile and social media technologies. And I also happen to be an Evernote certified expert like you, John. And I love all things personal productivity.
0: Fantastic. Hey, you've done that really well. It's like 10 seconds left. Where's your website?
1: My website is at rsidnesmith.com. So you can find everything about me at rsidnesmith.com.
0: Fabulous. What well, I'll do is I'll stick links in the show notes so folks can just tap on those. I'm not a Absolutely. big fan of those never-ending kind of podcast introductions that go on forever. And you're like 10 minutes in and we're still talking about the first book that they wrote. You've heard them, haven't you? <laughs> I have.
1: I have. I have.
0: It's why the fast-forward button was invented, I think, for, for, for that. Um. So you mentioned you were an Evernote, Evernote certified expert. When did you, do you remember, let's go back right back to the beginning. Do you remember when you first found Evernote, when you kind of like first saw the little green elephant?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I I, I remember it vividly and I don't know why, no. but I remember it vividly uh, back in 2009 uh, thereabouts. And I it was just another application that kind of popped up on my radar, and I downloaded it immediately, created an account, and for maybe the first couple of years, I used it very sparingly but I used it for fairly important information. It was a repository for things like if I had a padlock code, uh, you know, a lock or something like that code, I would put it in there just thinking that it was a safe repository because it would be synchronized to multiple devices. And that's really all I used it for, for the better part of the first several years of, of having an Evernote account.
0: I, you, you mentioned Pascal, and is the one thing I used Evernote for right at the beginning, which I still use it for now. It's my car registration number because I can never remember it. I just can't, yeah, I take yeah.
1: a I take a picture of my license plate and yeah. my VIN. Yeah, you know, here here yeah. we call it a VIN for the for the code on the car. Uh, my insurance stuff, all of that is is actually photographed in, in a note in in Evernote, so that I just can't lose it. I can't not have yeah. access to that information.
0: Yeah, the one thing that really irritated me was I don't know whether it's the same in the uh, in the states, but in the UK, pretty much every parking meter in the UK wants you to type your registration number in first. So like you're making like multiple trips because you go back to your car and you've yeah, right, okay, I got it. And then you get back to the parking lot and you've forgotten it again. And it's like, it's so nice to be able to just call that up quickly uh, on yeah, your device. Here,
1: here in the States, we have multiple different now mobile applications that require your license plate, the, the yeah. plate on the, on the vehicle of a car, and... Every every city is pretty much different, so you have to keep entering those things in. And likewise, you know, you don't want to have to go back and forth. So I like to just you know sit in my car, plug in all the information into the mobile app, and then pay for parking and go on with my day. It yeah. really saves a lot of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned how you use it in in the past when you first started Evernote. Um, how did you kind of like progress to how you're using it now? Did you just sort of like add little bits as you went along, and then suddenly it became this big repository of your life
1: yeah so in in o nine I was uh just exiting my first company hmm. and starting a new company uh rather serendipitously i I really didn't plan to start w three consulting and it kind of fell in my lap. And I needed a, a place to capture all of my meeting notes yeah. for meeting with all the various clients that I was now meeting with. Plus I was creating dossier notes, basically anyone that I was meeting throughout my world in the professional networking capacity. I wanted to be able to understand what made them tick because I wanted to build those relationships. I, I'm a relationship person. I really enjoy people. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to I wanted to be able to know what their dog's name was, their spouse or partner's name, you know, what their favorite color is, you know, those kinds of things. They like golf, soccer, uh, football, whatever the particular sports are that they might like. I wanted to capture that information. And so Evernote became that place, that database for contact management, because most contact managers are either... A, a very lightweight feature specific mm. contact manager like a Google Contacts or yeah, Microsoft yeah. Contacts or they're a CRM, which yes. is not what I it's needed. It's overkill.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So it was this intermediary space. Back then, Evernote had started to implement the ability to scan business cards and synchronize them with your uh, with LinkedIn and and so on and so forth. So that was even more, you know, fancy and and fun. We no longer have that feature where it synchronized to your contacts and had that LinkedIn connectivity. But I, I still use it tremendously today with that capacity where I'm scanning the business card and then creating a dossier note in Evernote for individuals who are not clients and they're not in just contacts. There's someone that I want to enrich the relationship with. So that was that was what I used it for for a long time.
0: So how did you organize all your stuff in Evernote back then? Were you a, a notebook person? Did you have hundreds of those? Were you a taggy type of person and have utter chaos? Yeah,
1: I've always been a a hybrid approach person when it came to notebooks and tags. Mm. So I just, I I come from a digital marketing space where, you know, you use categories and tags very fluidly. And so I wanted to have a large grouping of notes and then be able to drill down within them by searching against those tags. So I've always had large category-based notebooks, and then a tag-based system for those specific notebooks. And really the flexibility there is that I wanted to be able to find something across various notebooks very quickly and tags allow you to do that. Whereas notebooks basically are, are like physical containers. You have one note inside mm. of a notebook and you can't search multiple types of notes across those notebooks without searching against one particular element. And I didn't want to have to retitle every note to be able to do that, so I I chose to go with that tag route, and it was actually really brilliant. You know, so if I had a set of folks that I was looking for in terms of potential trusted referral partners, if people were potential leads, you know, they weren't yet yeah. even yeah. in the in the in the funnel perspective; they were just top of the funnel, and I wanted to just have a, a list of those folks. I would tag them as as, as potential leads all of those kinds of things. Um, and uh, and so I, I actually always used that, that hybrid approach. I would keep a, and it, it helps solve for a number of different situations. You know, like if you have uh, a, a, a notebook called medical and or health, and then sure. you had a notebook called finances or personal finance or money, yeah. and you wanted to put your medical bills where do you put those? Do you put them in medical? Do you put them in finance? And so I just chose the rubric. I'm always gonna put them into finance, anything related to money, even if it's cost related, and then I'll tag it also health or medical. And that way I can always find those things by searching against the tag medical and receipts, right? So now I can find those things in, in any way, shape or form across many different notebooks and stacks.
0: Cool. We'll talk about tags a bit more in a minute. Um, first, what I'd normally do is ask three questions to everybody who comes on on the podcast, right? Um, and the first one is, uh, what what is your number one productivity tip? It could be something that you give to other people, or something that somebody gave to you. What well, what is kind of like the over the overall the high level tip that you would give somebody?
1: Yeah, this isn't related to Evernote, but hmm. this is something that I believe is just. I, I went on this journey to read as many time management, personal productivity books. Some of those ended up being in kind of the self-help space and whatever yeah, else. Yeah. And um, over the years, I've read probably a thousand plus books, but the the ones focused specifically on personal productivity and time management, roughly around 400, 450 books. And I I synthesized that down to a couple of core principles. And one of the first principles is bringing bringing the most important things into focus. And so right. focus has multiple levels, goal orientation, project prioritization, and then attention and energy management. And really the tip is to figure out that you need all three, right? You need to yeah, bring to yeah, awareness yeah, yeah. what yeah. your goals are, how to manage your product, projects in terms of a queue, and then making sure that you can manage your attention, which usually means learning some kind of mindfulness practice and yeah, exercising yeah. your attentional yeah. capacity.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something you have to learn. That isn't it? The focus. Um, I, Absolutely. I, I was lucky in a way because I, I started my career many, many years ago back in in radio. And, and like when you do a four hour radio program, you have to have focus. You can't just disappear for fifteen minutes and have a coffee and a chat with Dave and a council or something. You you can't do that. So so focus is kind of like I, I think it's probably the, the the most important thing to try and teach yourself. Do you think?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of learning meditation as mm. exercise, not as like anything woo-woo. It's about yeah. being able to – you go to the gym for your body, you yeah. meditate and practice mindfulness for your brain.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's move back to tags because I'm not a taggy person. I use tags as statuses more than anything in Evernote. So like you're tagged at the moment in the Evernote note as waiting to record. I should I should have one recording and then it'll change to edit and then it'll change to ready to put live um do, do you find everything gets more complicated when you add more tags?
1: I don't. I think it's because I'm just very heavily desktop centric and mm. keyboard centric, so tagging for me is a very fluid process, and so you know on the evernote for windows on the desktop is you know f three I yeah. use the F three key until it wears out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I'm just very comfortable with both, you know, jumping into the tags field, uh, deleting and adding new tags. And I'm I've been touch typing since I was in you know early high school yeah. years. And so uh, for for those of you overseas, that's secondary school. And so I've I've always had the ability to. Uh, really quickly get in and out of fields and kind of get around uh, those systems and so evernote is very similar to that I just f3 into the into the tags and add them and, and remove them and I I try to keep tags under five uh, I think that's just a good rubric right so that you are not overwhelming yourself with the number of, of tags that you have in the system yeah now, there's gonna, there's going to be exceptions but more, for the most part for me I'm really only adding one or two tags at any given time and sure. Some of those are contextual, like, like, like we talked about earlier, and then some of them are status-based, right? What's the phase of this particular project? And so I have, I have my project management here in Evernote, and I try to make sure that every project has a project note, and that project kind of folder, so to speak, you know, that note that's holding all of my project uh, files has a tag that tells me where it is in the pipeline.
0: Do you spend much time managing your tags? I mean, like you say, you don't have too many of them, so I don't think it's it's much of a management thing. Because I've seen some screenshots, I was imagining you you were one of those screenshots with like three thousand tags and like that. It's no, too, no, like...
1: I I actually have a, a very discrete number of tags that I use for for normal operations. Yeah, I do have I do have a tag that represents every stack and notebook in my system. So for reference material. I'm actually making sure that every everything, kind of like the medical and receipts or finances example, I, I make sure that I, I am cross-referencing everything hmm. in the system, but that's automated tagging. I have that done through Zapier or IFT, I can't remember which, yeah. but I have I have them automatically tag those notes when they're placed into those notebooks. And that way I can do those kinds of cross-reference-based searches. So I'm not doing that tagging. It's automatically being done, and that saves a lot of time. And then I'm adding one or two tags just based on again, if I want to be able to cross reference something against uh, another uh, in in another notebook from another space, or if I want to add more context to something. Like if I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm taking an AI course right now, so Mm -hmm. I'm learning all about artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so there are different parts of artificial intelligence, and while I'm in the course, I might tag the different forms of artificial intelligence as, uh, as a tag in the notes. And that's just going to help me later when I'm studying.
0: Yeah. Do you use saved search as much? Because I do, particularly with client projects. If I've got like a, a project on the go, I will set up a saved search that, that brings all the information I need. And then once that project's over, I delete the saved search. And if I move to another one, I created Do you do a similar thing?
1: Absolutely, yes. I yeah. love saved searches. It's one of the most hu- useful things. Plus, mm. if you tie the saved search to your shortcuts, yeah. and certainly within the first nine uh, you know, uh, positions in shortcuts, then it becomes a keyboard shortcut that yeah. you can, can enter to. So I, I heavily use that. And minor temporal, like yours. They're ephemeral. I, I set them up for a project. That way, I can quickly access them. And then I change it out when I go to the next project.
0: Cool. So, if if there was one feature that Evernote kind of removed that would send you into a giant Twitter rant, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's what? It's about two o'clock here in the UK. I'm, I think Twitter's still going. I'm not sure. I think it's
1: still alive. It's still it's, kicking.
0: It's still going. But if you had to, it's something that would send you on a proper Twitter rant, I mean, what would that feature be if they took it away? Or have they taken this it away?
1: Tough, yeah, this is a tough question only because Evernote did re do the entire software yeah you know underpinning uh, a few years ago and it took away a lot of features yeah and uh, and i and i think what i would what i would say is the the level of instantaneous response yeah that's the thing that i i would probably be most upset about if they removed it today uh you know evernote is consistently syncing in the background yeah and and they remove the sync button, right? There isn't one in the desktop application. There still is one in the mobile app. I'm not quite sure it actually does anything. Uh, yes, yeah. um, but the but the idea here is that um, if if they remove that automatic automatic syncing functionality from Evernote today, I think I would probably be um, upset. I'm I'm not yeah. one to Twitter rant, so I'm not say, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that I would rant, but I would be very upset if that automatic synchronizing across all the systems did go away today.
0: Yeah, I, I found that really. They were trying to do like a Google Docs thing, so where virtually every character you press, it saves, doesn't it?
1: And it's doing that locally, and then synchronizing via the conduit back up to your uh, your system, uh, your your cloud based account, so that it can synchronize to all the other devices.
0: Yeah, I got a little bit upset about local notebooks disappearing because I don't know whether it's just that I'm in Europe and uh, Evernote was, was an American company, and there were there were kind of like obviously the privacy stuff in the in Europe is way, way different ball game, And, and there were certain things I, I wouldn't put in, in Evernote. I don't, I don't want them in the cloud. I want them, you know, on my hard drive. So, so I get a little bit upset about local notebooks. They were good.
1: I totally understand that. I, and, I, and I fully recognise the, mm. the value of local notebooks. And what I've told folks to do is that if they have real concerns, uh, that they can use other applications that don't do that, or yeah. they can, at least today at least today, you can install Evernote Legacy and completely keep that offline using local notebooks. So Evernote Legacy still does exist. Uh, We don't know for how long, but if you wanna stay in the same ecosystem, you can basically utilize Evernote Legacy for those local notebooks until Evernote sunsets the Legacy application.
0: Let's move on to the second question that I ask everybody. Best piece of productivity advice you've ever been given. You know that one little gem that you remember. It could have been a teacher, could have been somebody at university, somebody could have been a father father it, 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 Edith, that one thing, you remember it to today. What is it?
1: Absolutely. So in 2001, I was in a Barnes & Noble in Arlington, Virginia, in the United States, mm-hmm. and I picked up the book Getting Things Done by David Allen yeah. and immediately started reading it there in the aisle of the store. And I read about the next action principle, this fundamental unit yeah. of progress for moving any project forward. And it fundamentally changed the way in which I viewed time management, action management, personal productivity, you name it. I, 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 I That's an indelible piece of my history, and, and I'll never forget it because it was such a great piece of advice, which is that any you want to decide on how to move something forward, what's the next physical step that's going to move that thing forward? And that's the thing that you should anchor, capture to be able to do.
0: Do you think you can manage your time too much and then that adds pressure to you? to to be getting things done?
1: I think there is a level of, some people call it toxicity, Uh, there is a level of distress that can be created by uh, you know, squeezing too tightly. I always, yeah. I always use the example of holding a fruit in your hand. There's yeah. a, there's an amount of dexterity and and grip that you have to have to keep that fruit in your hand. But once you squeeze it a little too tight, you're going to crush the fruit, and yeah. uh, and and therefore you're going to have a mess in your hand. And that's pretty much how productivity works. Uh, you have to have a level of structure and a level of firmness um, to your grip on your system, whether that be maintenance, taking action, and otherwise. But at some point, if you if you squeeze too tight, just like with an egg, you're going to crack that egg in your hand as opposed to just holding it. Uh, we need to have an, yeah. enough control, but not too much, in order to be able to be productive. So I yeah. believe yes.
0: Yeah. Do, do, do you think trying to implement other people's systems into your own system when it isn't a natural fit could cause that?
1: Most certainly. Although mm. I believe in this concept of productivity science, which is mm. that experimentation begets progress, you can't. You can't grow without discomfort, right? Yeah, a muscle yeah, yeah. needs to be to be broken down in order for it to build itself back up. Yeah. Your brain does that same thing with, with synapses, right? It it goes through a period of change. Change is naturally disquieting, and that change is what's necessary for growth. So Productivity science, in my head, is this idea of taking a methodical approach to implementing new types of either behavioral interventions, tools, technology, you name it, uh, methodologies and systems. And so you have to think through, okay, how much is this going to upset or disrupt Hmm. my system? And is the cost benefit there for me to be able to do it? And I, I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee, we share a birthday. And Ooh. so and I'm also a, a practicing martial artist. Oh, very and cool. so with my with my background, I always think it's all, probably also why I was very drawn to David Allen with him also having been a yeah, martial yeah. arts teacher. And so my, my point being that, you know, you you think about uh, Bruce Lee and his concept of Jeet Kune Do, which was to basically pull together the best Elements of these various martial arts and uh, and create something new. I believe that everybody is creating their own productivity cheat Kune do. Yeah. they are they are pulling together the pieces that work for them there 's no one system that 's going to be perfect for sure. anyone you need to be able to pull the right pieces at the right time, right? Today, you might be an accountant. Tomorrow, you might change your career and become a lawyer. The next, you might change your career and and, uh, retire. (laughs) And uh, and at each of those stages, you kind of have to kick the tires on your system and decide whether or not you need those pieces. And are you using the right skills at the right time with the right tools?
0: Yeah, I think that's really important because I, I, I do see maybe some of the younger folk because I'm old, and I, I look, look at some of the younger folk, and they're desperately trying to achieve something that they have seen somebody else achieve in the same way. And you think to yourself, "Well, that doesn't fit your personality. It doesn't fit your your being." Do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely, and I and mm. I'm guilty of that myself. I thought that if you just replicated exactly what they told you, yeah. And this is yeah, going back to to uh, uh, two thousand one, You know, when when I read GTD. I I read the words that David said, which yeah. was, you know, take what you want from the system. You don't have to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. But my, my immature mind said, do it exactly like David does it. Yeah. And that's not – if I could implore everyone, don't. Don't do it like David sure. does it. Do it like you need it to be done. Yeah. And that's going to be so much better for you in the long run. Yeah. We just we just have a tendency to think well they're successful we should imitate them. Sure. Whereas uh, really what we should be doing is paying attention to how they're implementing those skills and take the skills themselves and implement it in our own way. And that's just a that's a much higher level of understanding of both personal productivity, right? This is personal productivity it's sure. not, you know, group productivity and we also then need to understand ourselves in a way that Allows us to be able to make those decisions. There's that metacognition that a lot of people just don't do, right? We don't bring mm. that level of thinking to the surface. And again, that's all about focus orientation, right? How do we yeah, yeah. how do we yeah. deal with our focus at the various levels? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so if you if you were sat down with Evernote's product team right now, you were in Milan with a nice glass of red and some Italian. Silk draped over you, nice Italian silk shirt. <laughs> um, what would you be saying to their product team? What's the one feature you would like to see added to Evernote?
1: Well, thankfully, it's already on the roadmap, and I cannot wait to see it go live. Mm. And that is collaborative editing. Yeah, You know, the, the ability for us to be in the same note as another individual yeah. and not have that hamper by creating duplicative notes – you yeah. know, conflict notes and so on and so forth. That would just be absolutely brilliant. We, I I really need that in my own team. Yeah. I know that my yeah. clients need it in their workflows, and certainly in the Evernote Teams environment. That seems like a base level that you should be able to be in a note with another individual and make those kinds of edits and not have any problems with the the, the sanctity, the the you know the the integrity and stability of the note. And today, notes get locked. And if you try to edit the same note as another individual, say that you're offline sure. and you edit that note, then it's going to create a note conflict, yeah. and that's just not a great experience. And Evernote's working on that, and soon we will have this ability to have real time editing in the same note. And I just think it's going to revolutionize the way in which I use Evernote, and certainly the way in which I train and help my clients use Evernote as well.
0: Yeah, I think you. I think you're right. It is. It almost feels as if it's like the next e- evolution, isn't it? It's. It's like bringing it. It bring it up to the modern standards of of Absolutely. the web at the moment because pretty much everything nowadays is is collaborative in a in a big way um, and Absolutely. it works, it works well doesn't it it works well it's pretty cool to watch watch it happening.
1: Absolutely, too. Yeah, it's it's actually, it feels a little bit like magic, just because I've been using (laughs) Evernote for so long in this kind of stodgy way, where it just, you enter a note, you tell everybody else, don't touch the note while I'm working on it, and then you leave the note, and you're like, okay, everybody, it's like checking uh, books in and out of the library. And the now, uh, watching the collaborative editing happen in demos, I'm just, I'm awed at the, the capability of doing that. And this is a little different than Google Docs. You know, Google yeah, Docs, sure. you can't add multiple different types of files no. into the Note, into the document in Google Docs or Microsoft Word or anything like that that has yeah. a, a real-time collaborating fu- function. In Evernote, you're capable of adding images and files and so on and so forth in real time with another individual. And that's a really interesting way to be working. And I'm really looking forward to it.
0: The the final of these these little three questions that I ask folk. Um, what's your secret procrastination? Because procrastination is good for your soul, Ray. I promise you, it is. I I'm terrible with Google Maps. I can get lost forever, like travelling around a little town in India for for ages. What's what's your secret procrastination? What do you get lost in?
1: Well, for me, it is reading. I I read because it's my nature. Mm. But I also find myself reading everything. I, I, I tell people that I read books, I read magazines, I read the sides of cereal cartons. Uh, I, I just love reading. And uh, so if you're going to put words in front of me, I'm likely going to read it no matter what it, it's all about. And uh, I tend to read a lot of personal productivity articles. And I just spend my time, sometimes too much time, uh, just involved in reading those articles. And it's, it's the ongoing desire, right? The unending uh, kind of uh, thirst for finding that little nugget that's going to help me at this moment be a little bit more productive. And so I do find myself reading a lot of personal productivity articles.
0: (laughs) So so learning productivity is not productive.
1: (laughs) It can it can be competing? Yes, it can be competing with your productivity. Yeah, Although yeah, I do time bound it, I time bound it so that I know that yeah. I'm not going to go off too too far off the rails.
0: That's a good idea. I, 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 last week I had my worst procrastination I've ever had in my life. I really did. I mean, I, the, the excuse is that my granddaughter gave me a stinking cold, which is just just about getting over. So I wasn't feeling productive in, in the slightest. And I had to re- record an interview with somebody from New Orleans. And I was going to Google Maps for some reason. I was having a little look at New Orleans. Oh, that looks nice and then I suddenly noticed that the Mississippi River ends up in, in New Orleans and I thought, that's a long river, I'm sure that's, I wonder how long it is and you know, <laughs> Google Maps, I trace the entire length of the Mississippi River right back to Lake Nicotel, I think it was called, a Nicotel or something which is in the middle of nowhere oh, it was half an hour of my life gone
1: but you know something now that you didn't know before. So it's uh, it's probably for the best.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so I suppose the elephant in the room is the buyout of, of Evernote by by bending spoons. I mean, we're, we're recording this at the beginning of April, so they haven't had it for long. I mean, I think they they had the keys first week in January or something. Um, what are you, your thoughts on the on the takeover? Did it come as a surprise to you?
1: Certainly, it took took us by surprise. I think it took all of us by surprise. Even the, the staff at Evernote really didn't know much about yeah. it happening. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, it's uh, the natural progression. It wasn't certainly what I thought would happen to mm-hmm. Evernote. I, I thought if they were going to be bought out, they were going to be bought out by a much larger entity. Yeah. And this ends up being probably for the best for sure. Evernote. Yes. And I, I see Evernote as being an, a, a fairly independent product because all of the users who are most vocal about Evernote are fairly independent-minded people. And so this is going to be a struggle for Bending Spoons because they're going up against a very large user base with a very vocal... I wouldn't say it's a minority. I think it's probably uh, a, a vocal majority that is very uh, wedded to the application, sure. uh, it's an ecosystem for them. Yes, and so it's a challenge across the board. That being the case, like any company buying out another company, there are some changes that need to happen, and we've already seen some of those. Evernote, yeah. you know, let go uh, nearly a third of its uh, uh, workforce, and uh, and and a lot of the folks you and I knew, John, yeah. uh, were gone, and I have try to maintain contact with the product managers and the various engineers that I do know at Evernote and just trying to support them from a morale perspective, because this <laughs> is a tough change for everybody. And I think that Bending Spoons is still trying to gain traction in terms of what, they're, what pieces they're managing and what changes they're going to be making throughout the system. And I, I think it's worth giving them time to figure that out. And uh, I don't think it's going to be a lot more time uh, that people are going to be willing to give them, but I think it's well worth time to give them a chance to figure out a strategy yeah. and to determine how they're going to implement Evernote. The good part is that nothing about Evernote itself is going to change, sure. but for the better. Sure. They're working yeah. on stable, stabilizing the software, making it faster and, and more responsive, yeah. as well as increasing the uh, the veracity and efficacy of Sync synchronization. Yes. And that's their focus. And I hope real-time editing or collaborative editing is right behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But but really, you know, they have the right focus right now in terms of their engineering time and energy, their engineering resources. And I think they're still doing some background management work, just trying to get a handle on how to manage this, this elephant, right? It's a big product yeah, with yeah. a big user base. And they're They're a smaller company in a lot of ways, and they have had success with these mobile applications, but they really haven't dealt with a product suite as big as Evernote, and so this will be a little bit of a learning curve for them. And I want to give uh, Francesco, the CEO, and his team some time to figure yeah. that out.
0: Yeah, I think they they definitely need some time because it is, it is a totally different beast. And I, th- I think the one thing that Evernote did very, very well right at the beginning was they, they created a, a really good community, a strong community around the product, where people Enjoyed the using the product. They they loved the product. They would support it. They would stand almost like what Apple did, right, about the iPhone and the Mac. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's a strong Evernote community, and you know they they praise and criticize Evernote in equal measure, yeah. and uh, and it's all for the betterment of the product, right? It's not yeah. it's not complaining for the complaining sake. Sure. Most yeah. of the people who are highly active are there because they care about the product being. Great for the 200-plus million people who use Evernote every day. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's wait and see what happens. Hopefully collaborative editing, that'll be fun.
1: Enjoy that, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, Ray, uh, thanks for your time. Um, Where can we find you? Give us a few um, social media and website links where we
1: can find you. Yeah, so I'm still fairly active on Twitter, at smith, and so uh, it's rsidney.com. S-M-I-T-H. That's also my website, rsidneysmith.com. And I have a blog, twominuterule.com. So folks can find me in either of those places. And yeah, so I'm I'm fairly active on Twitter. That's pretty much where I'm at right now. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at focus at work, which is our subdivision that's focused on Hmm. digital productivity. And it's yeah, easy. It's pretty much easy to find me. If you type my name into Google, you will find me.
0: Find you, definitely. <laughs> Brilliant. What I'll do, I'll, I'll leave some links in the show notes so folks can just tap on those
1: um, when, they, when they want to.
0: Um, Ray, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me on here, John. Pleasure.
0: Thanks again to Ray for his time. Don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes. Subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast app. You get all the episodes straight away. Thanks for listening.